Moncrief on News Talk. Now, it was 30 years ago this month that the first Free Willy uh, was, uh, that the film Free Willy uh, was released. It was a huge hit at the time and told the story of how a boy helped an orca escape from captivity. But for the orca who acted as Willy, named Keiko, Freedom, actual freedom, took a lot longer. Melissa Hobson is is a marine scientist and conservation writer. She's been writing about this. Good afternoon, Melissa. Good afternoon. Lovely to speak with you. How long was it after the release of the film that people discovered what had happened to Keiko? Well, I'm not sure of the exact timelines, but I think it was really the film that kind of generated everyone's interest. So, you know, kids around the world came to see the movie and afterwards thought, oh, you know, what what happened to this whale that was this killer whale in captivity? Mm. And then they started contacting Warner Brothers, finding out more about it. And that's when everyone realised, I think, that Keiko, um, the whale that plays Free Willy, plays Willy in the movie, um, was actually still in captivity and performing in Mexico City. Yeah, and and even uh, being in captivity, I suppose, was bad enough, but the form of that captivity sounded awful. Absolutely. I mean, for animals, you know, like whales and dolphins that are so intelligent, any captivity is pretty awful. Um, But this marine part, I think it was quite a small part. So he was in quite a small, um, you know, concrete tank, basically. He couldn't echolocate, which is a natural behavior for orcas. Um, I believe there was also, you know, there's going to be lots of noise. There's going to be kids screaming. Obviously, there's the performance element, which is not a natural behavior for killer whales. Um, and I think they had fun fairs and rides and all that kind of stuff going going on around. So you can imagine it's definitely not a uh, natural environment for an animal like this. So the, the campaign uh, uh, to, to to get him released from there, uh, as I understand it, was quite an extensive one and an expensive one uh, as well. But I suppose you can't you can't just take a killer whale out of a theme park and then let them go. The, the, could you describe the process they had to go through to get Keiko to the point where he could be released? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess to put it in a little bit of context, Keiko was taken from the wild and separated from his mother when he was about two years old. Um, By the time the film comes out, I think he was in his kind of late teens, early 20s. So he's lost all of his natural instincts, really. Um, They had to take it in stages, as it were. So initially, um, they tried to get him from Mexico City to Oregon. Um, In Oregon, they'd built him a specialized enclosure. It was bigger. The water was cooler. You know, he's from Iceland, so he he likes nice cold water. And when they found him in Mexico City, he was pretty poorly. He had some kind of pots. Um, So he actually spent a couple of years in Oregon before they even tried the move to Iceland. Mm. Um, That involved a special plane um, that did the whole journey, refueling twice in flight with Keiko on board in a big shipping container, kind of full of ice water up to his fins, again, to keep him cool. And then actually when he got to Iceland, as you say, you can't just let an animal like this go and expect it to be able to fend for itself. Um, So they'd built a specialized uh, sea pen. So it was actually the first kind of proof of concept of a seaside sanctuary. Um, to help rehabilitate him. 
They had to teach him that live fish are food because he was used to just being fed dead fish. So the first time apparently that he saw a live fish, he, you know, didn't even know what to do with it. Oh, God. Um, and, and yeah, and I understand he'd bring it back to the people. He'd play fetch with us rather than eat us. Yeah, absolutely. So for my article, I, I spoke to a couple of the conservationists who led the reintroduction campaign and they were saying, you know, they had to train Keiko to learn that live fish are food. Um, but yeah, I believe in the performances, he was used to kind of fetching items. So initially when they, you know, got him to catch these fish, he would bring them back to the trainer expecting that was what, what he was supposed to do. Um, also as well, you know, he, he, in terms of his physical condition, would he have been close enough to, would he have been fit enough to live in the wild? Because, uh, you know, I assume killer whales do a lot of swimming during the course of a normal day. Yeah, that's a really get, great question. And absolutely not. Um, you know, in in a usual kind of tank, um, it's a really small area for a killer whale that in the wild, they're going to be swimming, you know, something up to 100 miles a day. Um, so I guess it's the equivalent of us, you know, tomorrow having to run a marathon every day. You're just not going to be able to do it. Mm. Um, so the team, while he was in Oregon, they were helping him get rid of the kind of diseases he'd picked up, get him back to strength, you know, putting on weight. And then when he got to Iceland, they'd take him on <clears throat> what they called long walks, um, so essentially they'd teach him to follow the boat um, out into the open ocean and they'd gradually build up his stamina. So do this kind of marathon training um, so that he could try and keep up with those distances, you know, if he was ever to um, join an orca, orca pod in the wild. Yeah. And his eventual return to the wild, would it be fair to say it was somewhat accidental? They didn't mean him to go off when he did. So they were always meaning for him to be reintroduced um, and it was kind of a gradual process. So initially, once he'd been um, uh, kind of rehabilitated, as it were, in the seaside pen, they used to take him out for these long walks and they'd gradually get longer and longer and they'd go looking for orcas. Um, but yeah, there, there was an instance where I think there was a big storm. So the boats that were with Keiko had to come back in to shelter um and when they went back out again they couldn't visually see him so there was a little bit of time where they where they weren't quite sure where he was he did have trackers and that kind of thing so they had a bit of an idea um and this is around the time i think that he was actually swimming from iceland to norway um and he eventually ended up uh making his home for his his last um of time in a in a Norwegian fjord coming and going from there. Yeah, and, and still like to interact with humans a bit. Absolutely. Um, humans and especially children, apparently. Keiko is really drawn to children, I suppose, having been surrounded, the, surrounded by them for so much of his life. Mm. Um, and yeah, actually, when he, when he arrived in Norway, he came across a fisherman who was fishing with his daughter. Um, and saw them and kind of followed them back into the fjord. Um, and the guys from the Whale Sanctuary Project that I spoke to said, you know, they wouldn't be surprised if it was the fact that there was a child on board and his love for children that 
kind of what encouraged him to to follow that boat back into the fjord. Mm. The, the, the hope had been he might be able to contact his family. Did that ever happen? Yeah, that was the hope. But I think the conservation team always realized that that was a pretty high bar given the state that they found him in. So he never found his family. Um, his mother may well have been alive when they brought him back to Iceland because female orcas can live into their 90s. So she may have been around, but they unfortunately weren't weren't able to trace that pod. Um, and he did have some interactions with wild orcas, which obviously he wasn't able to have in captivity. Um, but ultimately, no, he didn't. He didn't join an orca pod himself, sadly. Yeah. And and uh, now, thirty years later, are there still many uh, whales uh, like Keiko or indeed dolphins held in captivity? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the sad things. I think you know Keiko's had a massive legacy in terms of changing people's view of orcas in captivity. Um, but I was chatting to the team at the charity Whale and Dolphin Conservation, and they were telling me that around the world, there's somewhere around 3,600 captive whales and dolphins. And of that, at least 56 orcas, we think. So, you know, this is, this is something that's still happening, sadly. Melissa Hobson is a marine science and conservation writer. Melissa, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.